Warning, The Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. So how do you explain the performance in Iowa, and why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. Number one, Iowa's a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. I think whether we're talking about gender inequality or racism or queer rights or indigenous rights or animal rights, we're talking <laughs> about the fight against injustice. We're talking right about on. the fight against the belief that one nation, one people, one race, one All gender, power to the people. one species has the right to dominate, control, and use and exploit another with impunity. Right on. Well, uh, here we are. Uh, we're watching the world go around. The madness of the times is fabulous. And, of course, you say, well, why did you watch the, the, the Oscars last night if it irritates you? I watched it because I wanted to be irritated. I enjoyed being irritated. I tweeted all night long, and I'll share some of them with you because... I think we've all come to appreciate that actors know nothing about the real world. Most of them never went to college. Most of them went directly into uh, the high school of performing arts. They went into theater, which is a world of make-believe, which is beautiful. We all love fantasy. And they live in the bubble of fantasy. And they're ridiculous. And anything they say makes no difference whatsoever. And by the way, thanks to Ricky Gervais, uh, pulling them apart, they finally know that nobody cares what they think. We all know that actors in their hearts of hearts, if they have a heart, in their heart of hearts, the heart of palms, in their heart of palms, uh, at some level, all of them know that really they don't know anything about politics in the real world. But they don't accept that. They believe they're brave. They believe that by speaking about cows uh, and milk, artificial insemination of cows, that somehow they're uh, speaking truth to power and that they're very brave. And if you watched the Oscars last night, you, you scratched your head at some point. And I got to tell you, I mean, I saw Joker. I thought it was an incredibly well-acted movie. And he deserved the Academy Award because he's a great actor, because he's crazy. He is fundamentally insane. Uh, Jokey Phoenix is nuts. And he basically acted, acted out who he is. And that's good. And uh, this isn't the first time celebrities have lectured people uh, in history. I remember going back to when Marlon Brando, remember that? The woman, she, the Indian woman, wouldn't accept the Academy Award. She went up and said, Brando won't accept the award. Remember? So we already had this a long time ago. And uh, so there's nothing new. We know that. I, I knew that young lady, by the way. She's a nice person. It was a political statement. But uh, as uh, the spectator wrote, celebrity is dead that the internet has killed the Hollywood star. Fame has been disrupted, you know. He said, thanks to social media, everybody is famous to at least 15 people. <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook mean we don't have to oogle stars anymore. Uh, everyone thinks that they're a star behind their bars, right? Isn't that true? You carry around your phone. If you have enough bars, you're a star. You can tweet a picture of yourself picking your nose, and it gets onto YouTube, and you're a star behind your bars. So everyone's a celebrity, and there's no need to glorify or worship celebrities because we're all celebrities, aren't we? And that, of course, explains the sad state of, <laughs> of the world that we are in. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Phone number is 855 I don't even know my number, 855-407-282. I have some headlines for you, and I want to go back to a Friday. No, I want to ask you a question. Does the out-of-control government spending concern you? I know it's boring, stuff like budget. But Trump is proposing a $4.8 trillion budget? Nah. No, if it was a communist or a socialist, you'd be screaming bloody murder. Now, it went up. He wants $4.8 trillion? And if it, go, if, if it passes, which it won't, annual federal spending will have gone up by $900 billion in four years. What does that mean? That's how much it went up under Obama for all eight years. 
So where's the money going? He's going to cut entitlements. Okay, he's going to cut foreign aid. Good. But it's all going to the military again? How many wars are we in that we need to keep spending this money on the military? Don't you remember what Eisenhower said? Beware the military-industrial complex. Now, didn't Mr. Trump say that the military is completely rebuilt during his speech? So why isn't spending going down? And we need all of that money just for Iran? It's unbelievable to me. Trump to propose $4.8 trillion budget with big safety net cuts. All right. You know, I know you're not going to call on it. That's boring. That's like talking about taxes. So, but I had to throw it out there because I still think the budget matters to fiscal conservatives. I balance my budget. I have never, ever spent more than I made. Never in my whole life. I was raised to live within my means. My father taught me that. That's how we lived. It was a one income family. Mom stayed home. She raised the kids, took care of the house, did all the good stuff. Dad killed himself going into his shop, even uh, when he couldn't go in. You know, we had almost no money. Well, he had money in the bank, and we had to live on it. There was no Medicare, Medicaid, nothing. He was in an oxygen tent with the heart attack, and uh, the money had to come out of his pocket to pay the doctor. And I'll never forget when he was, you know, dying there, when the doctor said to us, it'll cost you about 100 a week for my care, we gasped because 100 a week was a lot of money in those days. I think my father's total income may have been 300 a week or something like that from his shop at the end of the year. I mean, we lived okay in an attached house, and I never suffered, I lost a meal, but I'm saying to you, 100 a week for the doctor, we didn't say no, we didn't cry about it, we didn't say the, the government has to pay for it. So I grew up in a frugal world, and although I've done well in life because I've worked very hard and saved my money, and I don't really spend out of control, truthfully, um, I don't know, this, this spending is crazy. Someone's going to pay the piper. Anyway, you don't care, so we'll move on. Four-year-old dies from flu after members of anti-vax Facebook group advises mom to use thyme and elderberries instead of Tamiflu. Did you hear this? This week, the state of Colorado suffered its second pediatric flu death of the season. The first in January was a school-aged child. The second, according to the Colorado Department of Public Health, was a four-year-old boy from Pueblo. And uh, this little boy said uh, was said to be very healthy and vibrant, made people laugh. Now screenshots from an anti-vax Facebook group called Stop Mandatory Vaccination are circulating online. And they showed that the week before this little boy died, his mother sought advice on how to treat her son's illness, which was the flu. Members of the crackpot group advised giving the boys vitamins, botanicals, and fruits and vegetables, which I agree with, by the way, but not rather than the Tammy flu. You understand what I'm saying? It's not an either or. It's not a zero-sum game. Okay. The doctor prescribed Tamiflu. They said, no, don't use it. And the boy died. In the thread, which has now apparently been scrubbed from the group's Facebook page, the mom wrote, the doc prescribed Tamiflu, Tamiflu, not Tamiflu. I did not pick it up. One user advised, you're better off taking vitamin D and C, elderberry zinc, and eating lots of fruits and vegetables. Okay, perfect, I'll try that, she responds. And the poor little kid died. So please understand what I'm saying. It's both. It's not either or. This is something that I learned in the 70s. It's not either or. It's both and. It's alternative medicine plus modern medicine that makes for a full and total medical treatment. Meanwhile, last night, uh, Karl Marx got a shout-out during Barack Obama-produced film's uh, Oscar speech. I couldn't believe it. I heard it. Uh, Julia Reichert, she was the bald woman. I pray she's not sick with cancer to explain her bald head. I, I suppose she was sick. Because her husband and her had the same baldness. I assume she shaved her head because she's taking chemo. Uh, uh, she shouted out to Karl Marx, workers of the world unite. It was so childish. It was so juvenile. Did anyone see that? She said, we believe things will get, when work, things will get better when workers of the world unite. Unbelievable. Now, that movie was produced by Barack Obama's new film company. Are you shocked? No. No, no, no. Also in the news, Mayor Pete unmasked as a Bernie Sanders socialist sympathizer. Good article in American Thinker by Peter Barry Chowka, which I linked yesterday onto michaelsavage.com. 
And I'm not going to read you the whole article, but when he was in high school as a senior in South Bender, Indiana, he wrote an essay and it was selected as the best one out of 600 to be submitted. And he won some kind of little prize. And the title of his little essay in high school, this is Pete Buttigieg, said uh, Bernie Sanders was his uh, favorite political profile and courage. And he said he was a heroic man because he calls himself a socialist in a country where communism is still the dirtiest of ideological dirty words. So even in high school, Mayor Pete, who I call Mayor Tweet, because without Twitter, he wouldn't exist. So you're going to call him Mayor Tweet from now on, on the Savage Nation, just as I do not refer to um, Cortex as anything but occasional Cortex. I will now refer to him as Mayor, Mayor, Mayor Tweet, because without Twitter, this guy wouldn't exist. So he was a communist in high school, but worse than that, uh, but a judge, I'm, I'm learning how to pronounce his name, and maybe it's the most difficult name in the history of American politics. It's almost impossible. But the elder Buttigieg, according to Emily Larson and Joseph Simonson, writing in the Examiner of Washington, says, the father was a Marxist professor who spoke fondly of the Communist Manifesto and dedicated a significant portion of his academic career to the work of Italian Communist Party founder Gramsci and associate of Vladimir Lenin. So that was the father. So he comes from a long line and a long lineage of uh, haters of our way of life. Okay? You understand where I'm coming from here? So when I asked you last week, Wednesday, it was a great show topic, by the way. My shows are getting better by the, by the day. Um, I said, is America ready for a gay president? And the reason I asked that is because I asked when Obama, is America ready for a black president? We were all asked that, remember? Well, obviously America was, and they voted for a black president. Then when Hillary ran, is America ready for a female president? Well, apparently not, but maybe they are. I think they are ready for a female president, but not her, not Hillary Clinton. Maybe another woman could be president. Certainly I would vote for a woman who loved America, was a fiscal conservative who I had some faith in, but not Hillary Clinton. So it's not about female, male. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to the gay issue, I'm sorry, there is a firewall with most Americans. Whether you're asking me what I think is irrelevant right now, because I'm only one of hundreds of millions of Americans, America is not ready for a gay president, no matter what the media would have you believe. He's not winning. So who does it come down to? Who does it come down to? Biden's gone. Bye-bye, Biden. The next B, Bloomberg. Now, that's a maybe. It's possible. Beware the rider of the pale horse. Don't know. Uh, who's the other B? Bernie. God forbid, but who knows? Americans are gullible. They can think he's going to give them free stuff, and no one will ever have to pay for it. Bernie is peddling an old bill of goods, but apparently a lot of people are naive and never, never heard it before. They never read the Communist Manifesto. They think it's the Sanders Manifesto. They have no idea where it leads, nor do they care. All they know is that it's free stuff, and they don't have to work for it. So who do we have left? The you know Biden is gone. It's bye-bye Biden. We got Pete. Eh, I don't think Pete's going too far, by the way. Not solely for the gay issue. He's too lightweight. He doesn't look presidential. He looks like howdy doody. He's got a number of deficits separate from his sexuality. His, his appearance is weak, puppet-like, childlike. He's not going anywhere. Um, so we have the other B, Bloomberg. Okay, he's got enough money to buy the presidency, at least to buy the nomination. And then we got uh, the other B. Who's the other B? Bloomberg. And who else? Bloomberg. I don't even know who's left on the Democrat side. She's not going anywhere. The uh, cake maker. Klobuchar. Klobuchar, the uh, cake maker from the local church, is not going anywhere. And the, all the others are gone. So it could be Bloomberg. It could be Bernie against Trump. What do blue and red America agree on? Hmm? We've gone from Einstein to Weinstein in one generation. By the way, I think Harvey Weinstein may walk. His lawyers are so good, it's worth every penny to watch this trial. I never saw anything like this, right? Then you got the New York Police Department shootings. Did you know that that guy, the perp, had been released on a machine gun charge because of the new release program in New York City? Could you believe this? Huh? I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Hey, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning, worrying? Now, look, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. 
The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds, wheelchairs. Well, in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. Now, what does that mean? How is Purple different from other mattresses? Listen, the Purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced. Why? Because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam that I'm used to or you're, you're used to. No, no. The Purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the very same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. Unlike foams, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you the zero-gravity-like feel, so it works for any sleeping position. Okay, 100-night risk-free trial. You're not satisfied? You can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free in-home setup, old mattress removal. You ready? You're going to love Purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text SAVAGE to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to do this. You ready? Text SAVAGE to 84-888. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Message and data rates may apply. I think that we've become very disconnected from the natural world. And many of us, what we're guilty of is an egocentric worldview, the belief that we're the center of the universe. We go into the natural world and we plunder it for its resources. We feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow. And when she gives birth, we steal her baby. Loony. Even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable. And then we take her milk that's intended for her calf, oh, and we put it in our coffee and our cereal. Well, I don't. I use almond milk, so I'm, I'm cleaner than that. Jackie Phoenix, you know your heart is in the right place. Unfortunately, there's no mind to go with it. Uh, that's not the whole purpose of the uh, entertainment industry, is to be lectured about cows and insemination. It's sad in a way, because he looks like a nice guy who's lost. And I think he is the joker. I think in his heart of hearts... In my, I, I believe the guy's a little, a little a whack job. But he deserved the Oscar for Best Actor because he plays himself better than anybody could have played himself. I just hope he never goes off like the character does in the movie. I think the Oscars are worth talking about. They're a cultural phenomenon. We could talk about Biden calling a voter a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Uh, we could talk about uh, the budget. What do blue and red America agree on? Things like that. And you know, my whole family is going next week. This is a side note. I don't know how I'm going to do this jump cut to a sort of family reunion, and I'm not going. I know he's a what? You're a family guy. You're the, the patriarch. Why are you not going? Well, it's across the country, number one. All the big jets that come in from uh, into San Francisco going east come from Asia. Do I have to fill in the rest of the story? You think they can decontaminate a plane? And, and I'm going to sit there. I'm going to use a bathroom on, on a commercial jet. In the age of coronavirus, in the state that I'm in, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. You got to be insane to fly today. Dirty, like a flying cesspool. It's like a flying toilet. I don't want to go. I'd like to be with the family, but I'm not going to risk my life and get a coronavirus. I can imagine the crown they'll put on me. Michael Savage, a host like no other. It is the Savage Nation. Everyone seems to be, like, hungover today. They don't care about much. I can sense it. You know, no one cares about anything. Does anyone give a Shiite about any of the subjects I've raised? No. No one. No one really cares. I can say, it's like people think you care about, they care about everything someone says on talk radio. People in the business have the worst egos. Worse than Hollywood, by the way. People in talk radio have worse egos than those in Hollywood. Because in Hollywood, we know they're actors, and we're not supposed to take them seriously. But in talk radio, people actually start to believe that what they say matters and everyone's hanging on their every breath. <laughs> on their every breath. Now, in my case, it happens to be true because I actually say things that make sense. Borders language culture, it will live forever. The books I wrote became the program that Donald Trump ran on in his speeches, according to those who wrote the speeches. They told me that. 
They shook my hand and they said, we know that. Everyone knows it. The president knows it. So I've made my impact. I've defended democracy. I feel good about that. But uh, every day to say the same thing over and over again? Nah, I don't think so. So there's the battle of the airwaves going on right now in America and in the world. Uh, the arguments in England were against Brexit. They told the poor people of England that uh, Brexit was going to go down in flames. That's because the Wobblies in the media, just like here, were all very, very far left, and they lied to the people. Then the people had their little shot at democracy, and they voted. And they overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly elected him, Boris Johnson, right? And I will tell you right now, that um, the greatest threat to democracy is Bernie Sanders. Not because he represents socialism per se. Many people do. Academia is riddled with it. The media is riddled with it. Because Bernie's a good package to sell it. He looks like a crumpled, harmless, old uh, Jewish guy from New York. But he isn't. He is a direct descendant of Karl Marx. And in that sense, he's very believable to the children of America who think that he's a nice guy who uh, wants to do good for America, but he doesn't want to do good. First of all, he's a con man. Let us start with the fact that Bernie Sanders has never worked a day in his life, unless you consider politics work, which in some cases it is, in most cases it isn't. Bernie Sanders was well known to be a slacker and a bum. He slept on his friend's couches. He didn't have a job. Do you know that or not? And you say, okay, well, that matches the millennials of today, or whatever they're called, the triennials. I think we're past millennials already. It's the next generation. How many different names can you have for different generations? But, um, you know, what are you going to do about it? The people are gullible. They're taking him in. They're taking him on his word. They don't understand that socialism being a wonderful system, that it, the wonderful system that it is, is wonderful till you run out of other people's money, as Margaret Thatcher famously said. Where is the money supposed to come from? I know, I know. I heard the answers. If you cut the military spending, we'll have enough for everything. I've heard it since I'm about 15 years old. Uh, who will defend us if we cut the military spending? Do you want ISIS in New York? Or do you want to try to crush ISIS where they are? Do you understand that there's an existential threat to our life in the world? I guess you don't. Because the men who are fighting the battle on the front lines are never seen uh, in the media. Almost rarely do you ever hear from them. Those who actually go out there, those with the guts, those with the brains, those who give their lives, those who come home without legs or arms, or come home mentally shattered from the experience of dealing with 15th century barbarians who do it in the name of Allah, they're the ones who are paying the price so that you can have the leisure to talk about inseminating a cow as a great disservice to humanity. 855 from Netflix to Netflix. So I watched it like everyone else who watched it to enjoy bashing it. And I didn't stop tweeting all night. It was fun. I got to tell you, it really occupied my mind. It was better than general television to see the... I never saw such garish dresses in my life. I happen to like style. I, I love women's clothing and I, I love the way designers work. Where are they getting these designers from? It was like one yenta after another dragging fabric on the floor. What was that about? And, and, and the, the misshapen bodies, I, I don't understand it. The only good, there were some good parts. The good moments were watching Robert De Niro's face collapse when he won nothing. It was wonderful to see him and Al Pacino get nothing, which is what they deserve after all these years. They have had all the fame and all the glory a man could ever want in, in 25,000 lifetimes. But there they were preening in the front row, expecting to win an Oscar. And I was so happy to see they took home nothing especially De Niro, because of his outspokenness against Donald Trump. Uh, where is he today? I haven't heard any of his, he's a bum, he's a mook. Where did he go? I haven't, I haven't heard De Niro today. Probably needs major therapy today, major, major therapy today, I'll tell you. He didn't get his little award. He's got everything under the sun, that guy. Anyway, so we've gone from Einstein to Weinstein. What are you going to do if Weinstein walks? I wonder what's going to happen. Now... On Friday, I did a great show. I know I did a great show. Some shows are good, some are great. It was What Does Blue and Red America See Eye to Eye On? Remember that? Class, savage class. Pay attention, please. I could see already. Your mind is on uh, the holiday next weekend. There's a three-day or coming up. What is it, President's Day, Jim? It used to be known as George Washington's birthday. Then they changed it to President's Day. They took away uh, 
They took away the name Washington. They took away the name Lincoln. The only one we have is Martin Luther King Jr., now, which I've said, by the way, as, as much as I admire ML King Jr., it shouldn't be in, the, in his name. It should be something else like uh, All Ethnic Day or All Minority Day or something. If you're going to name it for a man, why did you take away Washington's birthday? Because that's what communists do. So on Friday, we had a wonderful guest, Mark Morano of Climate Depot, and we talked about the debunking the PBS series on polar extremes and uh, climate change. It was fabulous, just fabulous. And then I talked about what does blue and red America see eye to eye on, and people called on that one. And I would like to go into that for a minute, if you don't mind. Is there anything that America agrees on? Huh? What is it that you agree on with the left? Is there anything? Or those of you on the left, is there anything that you think we on the other side are saying or doing that you can agree with? Well, I think there are. It, it goes beyond Trump is evil, doesn't it? Both red and blue America want to be safe and healthy, right? No one wants to live on a dirty and dying planet. Both sides can agree that we should reduce pollution. Can we agree on that? Maybe we are all on both sides tired of the establishment seeking to get rich from our division. Maybe the rejection of candidate Biden by Democrat voters and the rise of con man Bernie Sanders are evidence of people who are so fed up with a broken system and feeling forgotten they're ready to have their voices heard, right? Now, on the right side, there's a similar sentiment of people who elevated Trump. Repeatedly on cable news this past week, you heard that Trump was successful because he could vilify his opponents effectively. They're wrong. That is not why Trump won. They're getting it wrong again. This is what they still don't understand after all these years. Do you understand why Trump won? Because he ran on a nationalistic, a message of nationalism. That's what he ran on. He had a message, a positive message about America. America could be great again, that we could secure our borders, that we could have English as the primary language, that we could be proud of our culture and the achievements of our, uh, the, f the folks who preceded us in this nation. That's why he won. He spoke to the average American out there. It wasn't because he bashed his opponents. He did a good job of that, but that's not the main reason. Okay? When Elizabeth Willing Powell, a well-known colonial politico in Philadelphia, asked Benjamin Franklin on the steps of Independence Hall on the final day of the Constitutional Convention in 1787, she asked this, what do we have, a republic or a monarchy? Franklin quipped, a republic if you can keep it. And if we're going to keep it, we need to see what the other side has to say. We need to see what those not in power have to say. Both red and blue have to come together or we'll all be washed away by the tidal wave of a revolution, okay? At least that's my opinion. If you want to chime in, the phone number is 855-400-728. To meanwhile, let's go on to some more of the great sound. Now, Joe Biden talked about guns. This is interesting. I get the gun nuts to listen now. No, no, we should do the Joe Biden in Saturday Night Live, shouldn't we, guys? As played by Jason Sudeikis in clip nine. Let's try that one. Let's listen to it. Vice President Biden, let's start with you. Are you at all concerned about your poor performance in Iowa? Well, you know, I'll be honest. Losing Iowa was a real kick in the nuts. All right. But I'm not worried at all because, you know, by the time we get to South Kakalaki, Joe Biden's going to do what Joe Biden does best. Creep up from behind. <laughs> Just when you think your lead is safe, my numbers are going to sneak up and surprise you with a nice, sweet kiss on the neck. OK, this is my favorite part of the debate, where we ask about winning the black vote. Speaking of the black vote, that reminds me of a little underdog story. And spoiler alert, it's a long one. Right? <laughs> the year was 1900 rat-a-tat-tat, -tat, okay? And I was cutting through the rough part of Wilmington, D.E., when suddenly I come across four gentlemen from the Isle of Jamaica. Now, I'm talking these fellows are dark as night, okay? Before they can make their first move, though, I toss them, all four of them, right into a cardboard box, and I roll them down a hill. And that is how I gave Jamaica its first bobsled team. Oh. All right, let's hear your closing statements. Mr. Biden, you have 60 seconds. What? No, the doctor said I had six to eight months. <laughs> no, I meant for your closing statements. 
Oh, okay, all right, all right. Not bad. It was really good. I mean, there is comedy out there. And, and when they stopped bashing Trump and really got some comedy writers, some young people to write, they're doing a good job again. Thank God Alec Baldwin's gone with the uh, Trump bashing. Can he just, can he be gone already? Can we never see Alec Baldwin again? You know, one of the happiest days of my life was when he lost the, uh, the account for that uh, credit card. But he still doesn't stop. He just doesn't shut up. Can he just go away and have some class about it? Anyway, this guy did a good job here. Joe Biden, uh, portrayed by Jason Sudeikis. The writing was terrific. Uh, later on, not Saturday Night Live, we have a minute or two here. He talks about um, guns. And I think that, Robert, if we start with uh, clip 13, it could provoke a little thought. Let's just play 13 and go to break. The fact is, if you're going to take on the government, you need an F-15 with Hellfire missiles. There's no way an AK-47 is going to take care of you if, the, if you're going to take on, you're worried about the government coming down, knocking down your door. And so it's bizarre. We never said you, you could own any weapon at all from the beginning. You can't own a machine gun. You can't own a bazooka. You can't own an M1 tank. And no matter how much money you have, you can limit the kind of weapons that are able to be owned. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. We have a racist society from top to bottom impacting health care, housing, criminal justice, education, you name it. And clearly this is an issue that must be dealt with. But in terms of criminal justice, what we have got to do is understand the system is broken, is racist. We invest in our young people in jobs and education, not more jails. Up to me, I put Bernie in jail. I put him in for subversion. But this is not free speech. When you are going out fanning the flames of hatred and racism, which is resulting in the shooting of cops, for example, in New York, like this piece of garbage is doing, and when he continues to debase our society, calling it racist when it's the most... I would say the best place on earth to live in, which is why all of the third worlders are killing each other to get here. How racist can it be, you lying bum you? But I don't want to get excited. I'm not going to get too excited. Speaking of airplanes, though, I don't want to go on them. I, I saw an article today in a, the local paper that there was a flight from New Delhi, India. That's already 15 hours generally, 15 hours from New Delhi to SFO. Well, because of the fog, this thing, 20 hours Fog at SFO leaves passengers stuck on the plane for 20 hours. Now, could you imagine getting stuck in New, Gale- in New Delhi for a couple hours, then flying 15 hours, then getting stuck on the ground for three to four hours when you land because of the fog? Can you imagine the stink on that plane? I mean, it looks to me like they have to sell that plane for parts after this flight. There's no decontaminating the odors on that airplane. You could rip out the upholstery. It wouldn't matter. I don't care what you do to that plane. It's a parts. It's a parts only. You had to part the place, uh, the plane out. Sell the engines. Sell off the, uh, the the fuselage and pieces and panels. Can you believe this? Fifteen hour flight, twenty hours in a plane for New Delhi. Stuck on an airplane on the tarmac with people who flew in from India. Can you imagine the food between the ghee and the chickpeas? Do I have to spell it out for you? I'm sorry. You got to part that plane out. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Well, the truth is that our agenda is precisely the agenda that the overwhelming majority of the American people want. Look, at the end of the day, the American wow. people want to raise the minimum wage Jeez. to 15 bucks an hour. 
They want to make public colleges and universities tuition-free and cancel student debt by a modest tax on Wall Street speculation. The American people understand health care is a human right, not a privilege. The function of health care is not to make $100 billion for the drug companies and the insurance companies. The American people understand we have got to deal with the existential threat of climate change. Our agenda is the agenda of working class and middle class Americans. I admire a guy who's had a heart attack with two or three stents. It's the one thing about Bernie that I admire, which is his demonic energy. He is driven by a demon like I've never seen anything like it. Who has a heart attack, gets two stents, and comes out, what, a week later, and he's back on the trail hating again? Amazing. I, I think he should get an Academy Award for hate, and uh, I believe that we should have a special Academy Awards, a Savage Academy Awards. He gets one. He wins the Hate Academy Award. But also the moxie of this bum. This bum is a vile, racist pig of the lowest order. But I want to ask you, is burn baby Bernie a real threat to Trump? Do you think that a debate between Trump and Bernie might turn out in in a way that we can't expect? This interesting question. Remember last week I had um, uh, Miss Guilfoyle on the show, uh, an old family friend. I, I don't see her that often, but yes, an old family friend. I knew her dad before he passed away. And and all that. Um, haven't seen her really since she hooked up with uh, uh, Don Jr. Yes, I did it a fundraiser in L.A. last year, uh, you know, for a few minutes. But I'm asking a question. Remember when she was on, I said, what if you guys want to do a role play for the debates that might come of Bernie as the candidate? I, I do a better Bernie than anyone in the business, better than Larry uh, David. And I have done very good Bernie's. People love it. I would love to play Bernie in a, in a head-on-head, uh, you know, fake debate with Donald Trump. She laughed. I think it would be very, very, very good. But you know, Bernie's very smart. Like all leftists, they're they're very glib, very quick on their feet, and very hard to debate when somebody is that glib and that fast. The truth is exactly opposite of what he is saying. Sure, everybody wants a minimum wage of fifteen bucks an hour. Who's going to pay for it? 400 restaurants went out of business in San Francisco last year uh, because they couldn't afford to pay the minimum wage and all the taxes. That's number one. Number two is the bums in the street who are crapping in the restaurant doorways. Uh, Talk about a society that's upside down. And then you have him talking about the um, system is racist, the prison system, and that we need to invest in education, not more jails. It's the exact opposite of what's true. We need more prisons, not less. Ask the cops in New York who was shot last week by a criminal who was let out because of Governor Cuomo. It's no different with Governor Newsom here. The streets are filled with criminals. It's only a matter of time until one of them off. They're like walking kegs of dynamite and releasing them into the street. It's upside down. Now, in the first hour, we talked about the Academy Awards and uh, such. I spent a lot of time playing sound, and I asked what category of Academy Award should go to Pelosi. Schiff, Nadler, Schumer, and Vindman. No one called on that one. I talked about how we've gone from Einstein to Weinstein. Weinstein, not Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein in one generation. <laughs> it's funny. Come on. Lighten up a bit. Even if you don't like my politics, you know it could be fun listening to me. Harvey Weinstein is a funny line, okay? I think Harvey's going to walk, incidentally. Maybe he should run for the Democrat candidacy. He's as good as any of them. I think Harvey Weinstein could probably do better than Biden right now. He's got more uh, more curb appeal. You know that Harvey Weinstein meets almost all of the uh, checks on, on the woke box? Old. He's got a walker. He's almost a victim. They've almost turned Harvey Weinstein <laughs> into a victim. Have you seen what, the, what his lawyers are doing to the poor girls who are up on the stand? I, I, I don't know, you know, what went on. I wasn't there. I just know that, you know, anything about the movie business is corrupt and dirty. That's all you got to know. And you know that anybody who goes into an old man's bedroom is going in there knowing what's expected of him. They're not going in there to read the Bible together. In fact, uh, one of them up there now, Jessica Mann, according to page6.com, Jessica Mann called Harvey Weinstein her spiritual soulmate, according to a witness who was her best friend at the time. A Brazilian actress, an ex-friend of Mann's, uh, said that... um, (laughs) that Harvey Weinstein was known as Jessica Mann's spiritual soulmate and that she never complained at the time when she went in the room with him. It's an amazing story. Talita Cocomaia, a Brazilian actress and ex-friend of Mann's, glanced at Weinstein and smiled as she was called to the witness stand. 
She said a few times that Weinstein was her spiritual soulmate, said her good friend Maya, told jurors in reference to Ms. Mann. And she added that man who's screaming that she got raped never told her that Weinstein hurt her or raped her. Maya added on the stand, uh, she seemed to really like him as a person. Can you believe any of this? I, who, do you, who do you believe in this? Maya said she took man to a party in the Hollywood Hills where they met Weinstein for the first time. He approached me and made a joke that I was the only person eating at a Los Angeles party. Maya testified, adding that man then approached. Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, who do you believe in a case like this? You know, the, whatever had happened to the word gold digger? We know that the word lecher exists. We know that that would be applied to Harvey Weinstein, lecher, lecherous old man. We can all agree on that. But has the word or phrase, phrases attached to gold digger been thrown out of the dictionary because of the radical feminists? I don't think so. We know about gold diggers. I knew about them when I was a kid. Let me tell you a story. Everything goes back to my childhood. And I remember it now. There was a doctor in the neighborhood in Queens. In those days, doctors lived in the same house you did like an attached house, but he was on the corner. His name was Doctor, I can't say his name. I don't think it was him, it was someone he knew. And uh, it reached a point, I'm talking in the 50s, where he would not see a woman alone in his office anymore because one of the women had accused him of doing something. He never did. This guy was like a regular nice doctor, We're married with kids. You say, well, that's nothing. I'm telling you, he didn't do anything. She was like an hysteric who wanted attention and she claimed he touched her, or this, or that. So after that, he would never see a woman alone in the office. And I'm talking in the 50s. She got a name in the neighborhood as a gold digger. No, none of the other women would ever talk to her again because they were offended that she would, you know, tear down this good doctor's name like that. So what, the word gold digger doesn't exist? It goes back to the Bible. The Bible wrote about gold diggers. But nevertheless, all right, we're living in new times. And in the new times, certain things can be said and certain things can't be said. Fortunately for you, my audience, I haven't learned what can't be said. So I tend to say what I think is true and let the chips fall where they may. Sometimes they hit me. Sometimes they don't. 855-407-282. I got a caller about Bernie if you want me to take it. I said, is burn baby Bernie a real threat to Trump? Can he win? I can't imagine that Trump's going to do that well in a debate with Bernie, incidentally. You know, I'm going to tell you why. Because all Trump is going to fall back on is you're a socialist. And then what? Bernie could run rings around them because Bernie's much more glib than Trump is. And he could only ridicule them so much. And it's going to, I warned, by the way, I warned the Trump campaign. He cannot ridicule Bernie. That would be the biggest mistake he could make because he would be seen as a bully and attacking an old sick man. Do you understand this or not? This is not so easy for Trump. Not as easy as you may think. He's actually going to have to debate him on the issues rather than on how he looks or how he sounds. That's not going to be too easy. Octavio from Vermont, uh, you're calling about Bernie and Trump. What do you think? Dr. Savage, I'm calling him because not only do I believe that the Seltzer man could win, but he will win with a strategic vice president choice. And I know those choices. I don't know if I want to say it on air. Cause if no, go, throw it out there. Who do you think, who, who do you think he's going to pick to run with him, uh, the Seltzer man? I don't know who he's going to pick, but I know who he could pick where he could secure his win. Who? Michelle Obama or Oprah. <laughs> You're right about that. Well, you think there's a possibility? Well, if he wants to win, if he picks either of those two. Tell Do you think a woman like Oprah, one of the richest women in the world, wants to give up her lucrative career to be second, uh, second fiddle to Bernie Sanders? You know, it's all smoke screens. They're all in it together. It's not okay. And Michelle is a very wealthy woman. They made a fortune in and out of office. You think she wants to give up her wealth and be scrutinized? A uh, hundred million dollar Netflix deal. They're big producers now. Why would they want to give that up? Uh, she won't give up her wealth. She will be the vice president. And this is all smoke screen. This is all talk. You know, it's really not going to happen, everything Bernie Sanders says if he becomes president. It's financially impossible. <laughs> are, are you actually living in Vermont, Octavio? Yes, I am. Could you believe I'm in enemy territory? I can, Well, look at me. I'm living in the San Francisco area, and it doesn't bother me. I can tell you, I mean, if you want to hear it. Well, Vermont is one of the most beautiful states on earth. I always loved it. I mean, I actually tried to buy land in Vermont in the 60s. And it was on the Canadian border. Luckily, uh, I came to my senses and, and canceled the 20-acre parcel I was going to buy. 
Well, you must have had a crystal ball and you did a crystal <laughs> God, it would have been one of the greatest mistakes. Isn't it funny you look back on your life, the mistakes you could have made? Oh, my God. If I, if I could have changed what I did in the past, I would be where you are today. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you why I didn't buy that land. I was into, like, back to earth, earth medicine, plant the tree. I was writing health books, and I wanted to get away from society. So I looked at a 20-acre parcel on the Canadian border. And I remember going there and speaking to a local guy who said, you don't want to live here. There are mosquitoes up here that would kill you in the summer. Something you would never know unless you talk to someone local. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, you know I, I love, I'm like you. I love animals. I love Mother Nature. That's why I'm here. And I want to- Where do you live? Actually, you live in a city in Vermont or in the country? Oh, no, no, no. I'm, in a, I'm actually in Newport, Vermont. If you-, Wait, you live near Ben and Jerry's ice cream parlor? Oh, God, I would never go there. Anyone that has anything to do with Black Lives Matter, I don't want to have anything to do with them. They've done more to damage the coronary arteries of America than anyone on earth, in my opinion. You know, I don't know how... uh, They should give all their money away to charity. They should give it away to cardiovascular research. I don't know how any corporation can make me... uh, uh, I don't know how any grown man can eat ice cream. It's a food for babies, not for grown men. (laughs) Just ask any cardiologist. Dr. Savage... So, Octavia, what do you do there other than listen to talk radio? I'm retired. I get my pension. I get my Social Security. And, you know, I... I Good for you. You sound like a happy guy. What's your secret? Oh, my secret is that I love this country, and I'm about to do something incredible for this country. Wait, wait. Sir, this is a family show. Please. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize... I was joking. That was a bad joke. Go ahead. So uh, you love your country. You live in Vermont. You must have some like-minded friends up there who who love democracy. Yeah, I have a small little support group. But, you know, what, what I'm most excited about is at my age, I'm 51 that I'm about to do something that's going to help America. I got tired of doing nothing. So what are you going to do? You're going to work for the Trump campaign in Vermont? Oh, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. But what I did, I did something else. I enrolled in the Academy of uh, Radio and Television Broadcasting for an online course. And it's a seven-month course. And when I finish, my goal is just to create one Trump voter. And if Trump... Well, you could do a podcast. Don't you see with the new world of, of media, you could actually... Everyone has a podcast. I have a podcast. I get a couple of hundred thousand downloads per episode, so it's successful. There are those with bigger podcasts, but most podcasts have very small audiences. You don't need a large audience to do a podcast, and I wish you the greatest success. Unfortunately, I'm short of time on the Savage Nation. When I come back, we'll talk about all the topics, including coronavirus and uh, Bernie Sanders. To me, they're one and the same right here on the Savage Nation. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. I was just reading today about how Milton Keynes, a famous uh, economist back in the day, predicted that by 2030, U.S. GDP would grow six to eight times what it is, which would allow for everyday people to work 15 hours a week. Everything about that is that Keynes' predictions were I can't believe this dumb bartender has gotten so far. But then when I look at what they're doing with Greta Dunberg, this psychotic child from Europe, I, I never saw anything like this. They're doing a series on her life already in Europe. The power of the press, meaning the media and Hollywood, is so overwhelming that they could take an unknown idiot like occasional cortex and turn it into a superstar. And they're doing the same with Greta Dunberg, who never took a class in science, doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. But again, I raised a very provocative question. Is Burn Baby Bernie a real threat to Trump? And uh, where's the caller on this? I wanted to know the guy who said she's going to run. There it is. Stephen Modesto, fire away. What do you see happening? Go ahead, please. Hey, Dr. Savage. Yes, you're right. Burn, baby, burn is going to pick AOC, in my opinion, to be his candidate because they're both communist socialist pigs. And uh, she's hot right now. Uh, the young people are going to go crazy. Michelle Obama, she has, she has too much baggage, and uh, she doesn't want to deal with it. She's not going to give up her uh, YouTube career or whatever career she's on. It's going to be AOC, Occasional Cortex, is going to be Ernie's running. That is a nightmare scenario, but it's not, it's not un, unthinkable, and it would be a very smart choice for him to try to take over America in, in just taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Absolutely. The old man, the old firebrand 
salsa man, the communist from New York, combined with the Hispanic loudmouth, racist pig that she is, would be a very big beating, a, a very big competition for Trump. No question. I, I never thought that he'd pick her, but you know, he created her. She worked on his campaigns. The next thing you know, she wins by 4,000 votes in, in Jackson Heights, and then all of a sudden she's elevated to stardom by the same vermin who have given us what goes on in Hollywood. Okay, well, uh, you, you've said it all. I mean, I don't want to keep editorializing on this, but I think that's a hell of, a, of an idea. And uh, burn, baby, burn. He picks occasional cortex. It is a real threat to Trump. Mark in Texas, we have time for your call. What's your question, please? Yeah, thanks for taking my call, Michael. I just was wanted to get your take on this coronavirus. If do you think it's potentially a potentially a problem? Yes, it's a much bigger threat than we're being told. There are far more people dying from it in China by uh, uh, everything I can read. Number two, the biggest insanity I've ever seen is bringing people back into this country to treat them. It violates all the rules of epidemiology. I've called for closing the air travel when it first started. I was the first and the only one in the media who understood epidemiology. I try to warn America. I try to warn Trump. No one listened to me. They waited too long. But worse than that, they're bringing people into America to treat them here, which is a disastrous error. They should be treated in the country in which they got sick, not brought into a nation that doesn't have the coronavirus or did not until they brought them here. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Our film is from Ohio and China, and but it really could be from anywhere that people put on a uniform, a punch a clock, trying to make their families have a better life. And? Working people have it harder and harder these days. Nonsense. And we believe that things will get better when workers of the world unite. Now, when I heard that last night, being an educated man, I knew that that was a phrase from Karl Marx, the hammer and sickle, workers of the world unite. It sounds good on paper. It led to 100 million deaths. To hear that at the Oscars from this freak, Lauren Reichart, quoting Karl Marx, was a stunning new uh, arrival uh, in Hollywood. Joining us to discuss this and other uh, insanities of the Oscars is Jerome Hudson, entertainment editor at Breitbart. Amazing. He is a member of the Project 21 Black Leadership Network, the author of 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know, regular writer for Human Events, Breitbart News, Daily Caller, Red State website. Uh, Jerome Hudson, welcome to the Savage Nation. How are you today? It's an absolute uh, honor to be here, and uh, thank you for making me sound so interesting. Well, Jerome, I got to ask you: when you heard that last night, "Workers of the World Unite," what did you think? Well, the the first thing that I thought uh, was the thing that you mentioned, and I made sure that our reporter uh, John Bender, who wrote up the story, actually. Uh, indicated within the copy of the story that this woman actually just endorsed from the Oscar stage uh, a, a political philosophy that has resulted in the deaths of, of countless millions of people. Yeah, how, how, by the way, okay, let's back up. Her movie was produced by Barack and Michelle Obama, right? With In, in, in conjunction with Netflix, yes. Their higher ground studio production. Higher ground, isn't that so self-righteous? <laughs> <laughs> so, Jerome, what about uh, Jacqueline Phoenix? Great actor. Is he really mentally off? Well, Joaquin Phoenix, um, you know, look, I, 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 I saw a report uh, that said, and by report I mean some blue check reporter on Twitter tweeted, that the annual gift bag that they get every year was, was worth about $225,000 each bag. You're kidding. I thought of. Were there, Did it have any cow's milk in it? Well, I wondered if it had in some sort of hallucinogenics in it. Joaquin Phoenix has been a vegan for many decades. Uh, um, he has multiple uh, homes, I should point out. And in 2000... Did you say multiple hoes? Multiple homes. Oh, not multiple hoes. Okay. <laughs> and I should point out... Now, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, a few years ago, did the sort of same thing that, uh, you, that, that Brad uh, Pitt and Angelina Jolie did when they were together. Uh, Conan O'Brien <laughs> has done this. I've actually seen the compound. Uh, a few years ago, Joaquin Phoenix actually bought the adjacent neighboring property uh, oh. so that when he put up his big wall uh, and foliage, 
uh, he could keep out the rugrats. But no. I, but, but he said that we shouldn't artificially inseminate cows and steal her baby and steal her milk. Uh, I think it's a very I mean, it's, it's very heartfelt. But what if everybody doesn't want to? What if the whole world is not ready for veganism? Well, look, the good news is, and I got to tell you, uh, Dr. Savage, I have looked at Lena Dunham's Twitter account about six. Uh, times a day for the last hour ever since she just basically walked away from political life when Hillary Clinton lost. Well, today, Lena Dunham announced, I, and this is a quote, I do believe that Joaquin Phoenix made me vegan. I I, I fell out Yeah, of- but she's irrelevant. She had her 15 minutes, Dunham, it, and no, no one pays much attention to her. You know, speaking, but, but Jerome, come on, you're, you're a media, you're an entertainment editor at Breitbart. This is nothing new to you. We all laugh at we make fun of them. Isn't that one of the reasons we watch the Oscars is to mock them? Oh, absolutely. Look, I, 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 I'm glad that I was able to sort of think about what, what that whole thing meant, right? I've, I've, I've since uh, talked to about uh, a couple dozen people. I mean, I know this is anecdotal, but the people who said that they watched it said that they couldn't watch the whole thing because they just didn't, at a certain point, the absurdity of it all and the lectures just turned them away. And I, 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 I sat and I chewed on that a little bit. I got to tell you, Dr. Savage, I think the Academy and the Hollywood left just uh, what they did last night was the equivalent of a three-hour campaign ad for President Trump. I mean, I, Why? Because they, they look so, so foolish? No, on our Breitbart editor call, I mean, it, you know, they, they come to me and they ask me what I think. And I'm like, the RNC was the biggest winner of the night. There's no way... If, if 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 people watching that and, and and by the way we're talking about all time ratings low, twenty three million uh, Americans tuned in, which is an eleven percent drop from last year and a twenty percent drop from the, the all time low two years ago. But the but the twenty three million people who did watch, let's just say that fifty percent of those people were just you know maybe on the fence independents if they ever wanted to see what the Hollywood left thought about them. I mean, they got a pretty good example of it. Well, let's go back to the American factory director, Lauren Reichardt, quoting Karl Marx. That's that's a new place for Hollywood, isn't it? And and by the way, very sophomoric, workers of the world unite. That used to be a joke that we told in New York City when I was a kid. If we wanted to mock old communists who we were laughing at, we would go up to them and, and say, workers of the world unite. All the people look like Bernie Sanders. That's how we'd mock them. So I think I think one of the more interesting things, again, this just you know just watching this fire hose of absurdity. One of the and I knew I had to assign that piece. One of the first things that came to mind, Dr. Savage, is the the the, the necessity for that documentary was actually born out of uh, decisions that Barack Obama made as president, right? Like the, <laughs> the so the movie is American Factory, and what is his argument that people in factories work too hard and are underpaid? Is that the point? Well, the film, the film follows basically uh, the uh, shuttered General Motors factory in Ohio. Right. And it's reopened when these Chinese investors come in, they swoop in, they basically ship a whole bunch of Chinese workers uh, over, over to the state. And the, the, the good people in Ohio do actually get their jobs back. Uh, but, but Obama's auto bailout helped force the plant's closure. <laughs> the irony of it all is just so cosmic. <laughs> it's just almost too much to handle. So is it sympathetic for who, who was who was the villain in that movie? It, it's, it, you know, watching it, I, I have to say I did wa- go into it thinking that, okay, this is the Obamas. There's got to be an obvious Darth Vader here. And, I mean, there are, there are parts wh- in which the, 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 the American workers are made to sort of, they, they, they sort of do the Homer, Homer Simpson Ification, uh, of some of our workers. They're fat and white and lazy. I mean, there was a little <laughs> bit of that, but it, it really... And they eat at McDonald's, no doubt. That, that they, I'm sure they throw yeah, the yeah, food. But, but on the Look, you're an entertainment editor. We were speaking with a um, great guy, uh, entertainment editor Breitbart, Jerome Hudson, about the Oscars. But I want to ask you, Biden called a skeptical New Hampshire voter a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Did you hear that one last week? Can you believe this? I watched that video three times. I... Can you tell me what he meant by a lying dog-faced pony soldier? From what I've read, there was an inside joke. It, it looked it looked like half of the people in the audience sort of laughed, and so 
I, I suspected that there might be more context. I don't know what part. All right, so it doesn't mean that Biden's senile. It mean, and, and we weren't getting his joke. He, it was an in-joke to the crowd? I wouldn't go that far. I yeah. wouldn't actually use All right, it. so do you think Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe is finished, by the way, politically, as someone who watches entertainment and most, new, of, politi- most of politics is, po- is entertainment today? Do you think uh, think it's bye-bye, Joe? Do you think it's bye-bye, Biden? It's it's astonishing. I think, look, I think he's trying to get to South Carolina, which is going to be just a a huge runaway for him. But I got to tell you, he looks weak. And and the whole argument for his candidacy was that it's not so much an entitlement that Hillary Clinton had. But here, look, I've been here. I'm prepared for this role. I've spent eight years a heartbeat away from it. Uh, but but this his this this floundering his gas his teeth almost falling out I mean it, it doesn't actually paint the picture of stability right and sound well, no so let's talk about Bernie I, I hate Bernie because Bernie's the most dangerous man in American political history because he sells a vile killing machine called communism under the guise of fairness I know this kind of guy I ran away from them in New York they're very dangerous and he's getting great traction. And he's decided, he's so clever, he decided that instead of running from the socialist tag, he's going to actually adopt it and pin it on himself. He said on CNN the other night, socialism is precisely the agenda the majority of American people want. So this is his new tactic. Uh, In the last segment on this show, someone said, I know how how Bernie could win. And that is if he took occasional cortex as his running mate. What do you think the likelihood is of that? Oh, are you kidding me? A woman who who won a congressional seat that she'll probably never lose, in which less than twenty thousand people voted to put her into that seat. I mean, it's it's laughable, and actually, I know it's laughable uh, because a few months ago, I, I just saw some polling in which people were asked who Alexandria Ocasio Cortez was, and something like twenty percent of the people only knew. And this ad, this was after two years of her appearing. I think. On everywhere. Every, the media loves her, though, because she hates America. She hates white people. She hates capitalism. She hates the military. I mean, what could be better for the American left? Uh, entertainment editor at Breitbart, Jerome Hudson, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on The Savage Nation. Thank you. It was an honor. Thank you. A nice man. Very nice man. We never met. Maybe we'll have him on again. So today we've been talking about all these topics. If you care to join the conversation, the phone number is 855-400-SAVAGE, uh, 855-400-728. Do we have some other sound uh, that we uh, should get to on the show? Uh, I want to go back to Biden and guns. He was saying that if you want to take on the government, you need an F-15 with missiles, not an AK-47, not an AR-15. And then he goes on uh, in clip 12 to talk about the guns that he owns. Let's hear clip 12. There is a Second Amendment. And you do have a right to bear arms, but not an unlimited right. No amendment is absolute. I own a 20-gauge shotgun. I own a 12-gauge shotgun. I'll answer your question in a minute, sir. I own a 20-gauge and a 10-gauge shotgun. I just skeet shoot. I don't even hunt. My sons are hunters. They bird hunt. You know, we protect, by the way, geese crossing the international boundary more than we do people. You can only have three, you only have three shells in your shotgun if you're going goose hunting. Okay, but you can have 100 rounds in a magazine that you can buy today. Hmm. I bought a magazine the other day. There were no 100 rounds in it. I bought a uh, magazine called History Magazine. I didn't find 100 rounds in it. I don't know what he means by 100. But nevertheless, getting back to the issue of gauges and shotguns, and that he says he doesn't uh, hunt, his sons hunt, that brings up Hunter Biden the hunter. And I think Hunter Biden the hunter is going to haunt Biden the candidate. I'll be right back. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. These systemic uh, disparities and the systemic discrimination that goes on throughout our system are one of the reasons I am calling not only for us to legalize marijuana, but for us to end incarceration as a response to drug possession Ah, altogether. Not only that, we've got to look at situations as we go Uh, back through the years, uh, all the mm. way back to the crime bill, where incarceration has done so much more harm Mm. than the offense that it was intended to deal with. That's Mayor Tweet with his solution to the drug epidemic, which is to release drug dealers on the streets. Worked very well in New York, where uh, a cop was shot in the neck and another uh, maniac went into a police station, shot up the police station because he had been released a few days before on a machine gun charge. Liberalism is a mental disorder. Never forget that. 
Now, speaking of international politics, looking at Ireland now, something you never hear about, there is an organization called Sinn Féin. You may see it as S-I-N-N-F-E-I-N. You say Sinn Féin. In Gaelic, it's translated as Sinn Féin. Now, who are they? They are the political wing of the IRA. And they just saw a surge in Ireland, a sea change in Irish politics as a result of Sinn Féin's surge. And what does it have to do with the world? What's going on? Sinn Féin is the political wing of the IRA. And in the past, whenever they won an election, they refused to take seats won in any parliament in Ireland or Britain because the Irish Republican movement did not recognize either the Republic of Ireland or Northern Ireland as legitimate. But in 1986, the party dropped its abstentionist policy, deciding to take seats at one in the Republic of Ireland's parliament, uh, while still abstaining from participation in the UK's parliament. And uh, slowly over the years, its vote share, number of seats has grown little by little. But all of a sudden, in the last election, uh, they have surged. And uh, now here we are seeing in the weekend where Sinn Féin moved from the fringes of Irish politics to its center. And what does that portend for Ireland and the world? Well, I think you need to know a few things right now, and maybe you haven't thought about it much. But the, um, the organization Sinn Féin has a goal. The party's chief aim is no longer merely Irish reunification, but according to its website, quote, the establishment of a democratic socialist republic across Ireland, unquote. In other words, they want communism. They call it socialism, like Bernie does. And I think you, you're starting to see that there's a surge of interest for socialism, not just in America, but in the world. And this is something you cannot sweep under the rug. And in some ways, it's a reaction to the disparities of wealth, whether we want to accept it or not. It's the way people who are poor or have had bad luck uh, see it. They say, why should someone be flying around in a Gulf Stream while another man is living in a cardboard box? I can give you the answer in simple terms, and that's because the man in the Gulf Stream earned it, and the poor man in the cardboard box earned the cardboard box. I'm a realist when it comes to things like that. However, uh, what I say has no bearing whatsoever on the, on the emotional impact of the abject differentials between the rich and the poor in the world today. And I think that we are seeing the ascendancy of interest in socialism. And whether or not Bernie wins or not, and I pray to God, he is roundly defeated, but we don't know what tomorrow may bring. Uh, I believe that in our lifetime, and in a shorter time than we may think, we're going to see a phenomenal move to the left in this country. Whose fault is it? Who's the winner? Who's the loser? How will it affect you? Tune in to find out, because I've been a defender of democracy from the day I began on this show 26 years ago this March. And with God's will and your listenership, I shall return. I'm Michael Savage. The Westwood One Podcast Network.